You are listening to the Become a Guitarist Today podcast with Adam Roach. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 85 with my very special guest, Bart Walsh, who played guitar for David Lee Roth. Now, this is actually a two-part series. So the first part, we cover his time with David Lee Roth and how he got into the band. Then the second part will be more about what he's up to now, plus he's going to demonstrate some of his playing and the gear that he uses. And this podcast is also available on video. So if you want to check out the visual of this podcast, you'll see the links in the show notes for the YouTube clip. So check it out. So you've got some great photos in there, some rare ones with him and Dave on tour. Now again, thank you to my sponsor, Musician, which I'll be going over to meet the team on Friday. So I'm really looking forward to that over in the Canary Islands. So thank you guys once again. Now you can learn the instrument you've always wanted to, wherever and whenever you have the chance to sit down and play. Musician is an award-winning app designed by expert music teachers to teach you guitar, ukulele, piano, and more, giving you live feedback in the process. You can learn thousands of songs, including some you already love. Whether you've been playing for years or never picked up an instrument, Musician's here to help you get good, get better, and get playing. Plus, your first week's free. So visit musician.com and give it a shot. So let's go over the interview now with Bart Walsh. Okay, so ask away. So maybe, can we start with your time with Dave? Can we uh, talk a little well, bit about that? Okay. Um, you know, I kind of I need to do a lead in, you know, pr- how I got in that band prior to, to the whole thing. Yeah. And then I'll, I, we can go backwards if you want, chronological. Sure. You know, I can play backwards too, you know, really. I mean, <laughs> That was the solo to uh, so this is love in reverse. Okay. I, you, know, I <laughs> you know, I've got my I got my Jones on again. I, I I'm in a, um, an Ozzy Osbourne tribute band, and I play with this guy named Little Ozzy, and he's kind of famous. He's he's a he's a little person, but he sounds just like Ozzy, and, and he sings phenomenal. And um, so I've been learning all these Randy Rhodes tunes, and, and, and you know, it, it it sounded like Eddie Van Halen trying to play Randy Rhodes. <laughs> because so, I, I mean. I'm not exactly that kind of guitar player. I'm more like an Edward kind of guitar player, yeah. you know, legato and, and weird phrasings and stuff like that. That's why he, that's why his style came a little more naturally to me than some others, you know. Mm. But, uh, but the way I got into Dave's band initially, I didn't. I never even auditioned. Um, I was in a very popular LA band called the Atomic Punks, which was a, uh, a tribute band, yeah. and this was in you know mid to late '90s, and it became very big in LA, and you know people come down and sit sit in with us like Billy Sheehan or you know whoever and so it was well known and so Dave had seen us a a couple times and and we were playing in his backyard at Pasadena uh, at the strip club which is fine with me that's where I'm you know that's where I feel most comfortable at (laughs) it's a nice scenery um, yeah, exactly. You know, it can be distracting sometimes. I mean, sometimes I blew a couple of solos, you know, like, you know, checking out the, 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 the audience. But um, his sister, Allison, and Kieran McClellan, who was his, his tour manager, came out to see me uh, play one night and approached me about doing Dave's thing. He has, Dave had some big gigs booked overseas, and the Bad Company tour was coming up, you know, that we toured with the original Bad Company uh, members. And so I... I'm like, okay, and I got my money right and everything, you know, and I uh, got my house in order, and we discussed the set list, and Ray Luzier I'd played with before in L.A. from uh, just gigging around. Actually, I did a big gig with Ray and Billy one time 
before that. And um, so we kind of all knew each other. And then I just went into rehearsals. Never even rehearsed. Didn't even meet him until two weeks I was into the gig. Yeah. I went down to the Rainbow on my birthday, and him and Karen came, came down and bought me drinks all night, and we kind of got acquainted that way, yeah. which is, you know, Dave style, you know. It's, <laughs> it's totally, totally cool. So I got schnockered, and uh, he got a guitar player. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, then he came in a couple. And he had he, he'd seen us, he knew of us, you know, and then he knew of Ray because Ray had played on the DR, DLR band uh, album, and um, then we got Todd Jensen, who he, you know, Todd played on the Little A Enough tour, so he knew everybody was competent enough to handle the material, and he, so he just kind of kicked it and let us shake off the rust for a couple of weeks, and he came and started singing. Yeah, so there's no real and audition then. No, uh, uh-uh. mm. I never. I mean, I, I guess, you know, the tour manager came down a few, or people came down before Dave a few times, you know, check in and say, you know, are they okay? Yeah. Is the guitar player, guitar player sober? <laughs> no, but, but he sounds good. That's <laughs> good. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so then after that, I just, I spent, I don't know, two, three years in his band and did a bunch of overseas stuff and all over the States and, you know, I had a blast, man. Yeah, amazing. You know, I mean, I mean, Dave's one of my heroes. You know, and I mean, Van Halen. The only reason that you know I tr- probably attracted Ralph in the first place, liked each other, or Dave, or whatever, because that was my band growing up. You know, and that was that was a life changing. I, I always tell this story because it's really important. It's like you know, you probably remember. I mean, you're in Australia, but yeah. you might remember it when the when the Twin Towers came down, where yeah. you were at. You know, or when the Challenger blew up, the space shuttle in 1986, you know. Mm. You know, that made world news. And, and you, you remember where you were at that moment, what you, who you were with. I mean, I, it's the, the defining things in our life, unfortunately, those kind of events. But I was a, a 16-year-old kid in high school and um, when I went. <laughs> and uh, my gods back then were, you know, Jimmy Page, Clapton, and Ted Nugent was it. Because yeah. Ted Nugent was a shit nizzle, you know. I was a Ted head through and through. There was nobody better than Ted Nugent, double live gonzo to the day I die, you know. And so there was this kid at school, and he kept telling me about this new band. It's a guitar player named Ed. Mm. And I'm, I'm like, man, I don't want to hear that. Man, I, ain't nobody better than Ted Nugent. I can't, can't be possible. So he kept bugging me because, you know, I, I had a band. I played high school dancing. I was playing in bars at 16 even. And um, so, you know, I had a little bit of a name. So he kept bugging me. And he ended up putting a cassette into my locker. Uh, I had Jim with him. I took it home. I'm like, what is this? You know, and I hear, you know, running with the devil. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, it's all right. Interruption came on. <laughs> and then, I mean, then my life was never the same. Whatever, that, whatever happened with that, I didn't know what it was. I mean, that, first of all, I didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. I thought it was overdubs or something with the two-hand stuff. Or, you know, and... But, I mean, the tone and everything about that, you know, and I, I didn't know exactly what it was, and I didn't necessarily want to be just like him, or, but I, whatever it was, I wanted some of it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, and then the song, you listen to the whole record, and the songs, you know, have your pure attitude, you know, they're, spo- they're spontaneous, they're live, they're full of energy. You can hear it, you know, in that record. Not to mention the guitar tone, it's like, you know, the holy grail of all guitar tones as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Bad Hand One's, you know, the one. He won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So now from there, after you heard Eruption, and I guess you went back and got the whole album, I take it, and had to listen to the whole thing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And then, you know, 
painstakingly, I tried to whip, you know, figure some of that stuff out. But I was a 16 year old kid. You know, we didn't have all the, the tablature and, and and all the stuff that we have today. You know, YouTube and people showing you stuff. And of course, I didn't have a teacher to show me any of it. So I just kind of, you know, back back then, it you know, a lot of times, even before that, before cassettes came out, was you know, scratching the needle yeah, on the record, you know. But you develop your ear like that, which is, you know, I think a lot of musicians these days lack because they, they go straight for the tablature and all this kind of stuff, and they're not really, you know, spending time developing that ear. That's your strongest asset as a musician, I think. You know? Yeah. Now, I've got, I've got uh, two questions for you about the, first of all, the Van Halen album. Um, so at that time, did you have a favorite song? And that's like choosing your favorite child, but uh, did you have a favorite song, and or do you have one you'd like to play live from Van Halen 1? Van Halen 1? That that is a tough one. I, I mean, my favorite Van Halen song of all time is Unchained. Yeah. yeah. But um, on Van Halen one, you know, probably this is going to sound, sound kind of weird, but probably Little Dreamer. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, that, that, the solo is highly emotional. You know, I, I love those you know those quarter step bends he's doing in there. You know the. Um, <laughs> You know, in the lyrical content of that song too. You know, it's, mm. it's like I was a, I was a kid in high school, and I kind of you know identified with it a little bit too. You know, and it just it always whenever I'm playing, you know, going tr- tracking through the band Halo. I mean, because you hear "Running with the Devil," it ain't talking about love, and you really got me. I don't really care for that much, yeah. but it's the one I was playing jam bands with because everybody knows it. But you know, it just really that one spoke to me, and 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 then of course you know. I'm the one, probably too. I mean, that that one is just a, uh, you know. That was my favorite. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 yeah that's. A, I mean, I'm from that album. I mean, yeah. Right. But I mean, they're, they're they're all favorites on that record, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, top to bottom. I mean, sometimes like you know, I'll put that on play, start and finish, straight through just. To, now, I guess right. the other thing is with um, Little Dreamer. Just going back to that one. I mean, personally, I think that's probably one of Dave's best vocal performances on the album as well. Yeah. You know, it really is, you know, and, and, and which is kind of odd because it's in the key of C minor, which is well, I guess that really wouldn't be odd because C minor is the relative minor of E flat, mm. of E flat major. Anything that he sang in E flat or A flat, you know, those were his keys because Ben had you know, tuned down a half step, so technically that would be in uh, D. But right in that area, he was he was golden. But if you get if you got some things a little too high for him, you know, it it. You know, it loses its 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 punch because he's really basically a baritone. Okay. You know, maybe maybe a, you know a little higher than that. You know, not not in the true sense of a baritone, but you know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, he can't get seen blues, man. Just like I mean, some of the stuff we did this video. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, but it's called No Holds Barbecue. No, I've seen that. Uh, okay. Well, I guess I better tell that story because that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Since we're trying to, we'd be, I'd be, I don't know, I'd be in the band probably you know, a couple years at that point and. Dave wanted to do this this photo shoot slash video thing, and um, it started out as a photo shoot. Then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. To it ended up being a one point five million dollar hour and a half long video that he had. We had seven playmates of the year in yeah. from Playboy magazine, and he <laughs> trucked in sand on his tennis courts and built a giant ghetto blaster that we jumped out of on his back <laughs> back lot and. It was pretty nuts. <laughs> but, but, but the point of that, we spent a bunch of time in A&M Studios recording all these songs for it. Or we did some on set. And, you know, we would do things like these, these older blues tunes and 
you know, like Fool for Your Stockings by ZZ Top. I don't know if you know that song or not, but it's, it's a slow minor blues. Mm-hmm. It's seen the, you can sing the hell out of it. Yeah. And it's just like, and I'm like, do that all the time, man. Because, you know, because, you know, anybody that, that goes out of their, you know, I can't play seven string guitar. I'm like, wait, this guy took me on it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, or, or, I mean, I can't, your, your, your element, I guess my element is, um, you know, right, right around this area, you know, the Van Halen stuff. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I can play other things, you know, because I'm, I'm a school musician. I went to GIT and I've played in a variety of, you know, sessions and stuff like that over my life and, and records and things. But, and he's just great in that area. So, yeah. um, I don't know if this thing still, you can probably find excerpts from it from online. I think I have one. We did an, unpl- we did an unplugged version of Mean Street because we had yeah. all these, he got all these vintage instruments. Like, I had a, a Gibson double O, L double O. You know, that Robert Johnson used to play, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, I mean, it was from, you know, it was from the 30s. Mm-hmm. And he got all these vintage guitars and, and the bass players playing upright bass on some of the stuff. And it was kind of cool. It just, when it got, but there was no common thread through the whole thing. It was just like, it, it was like the wall, but on acid, but on drugs and then some more drugs and some alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because there was no, it was, you know, Kind of like his book was, which I love his book too. Yeah. You know, it's vignettes of you know um, just scenes and stuff like that. So you know, it wasn't a unifying um, storyline, yeah, which yeah. Kind of helped it a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty wild. Some of the music that we did was great. I mean, we I got to do like Baker Street and Edgar Winter played sax on it, and oh, yeah. um, um, we did some ELO tunes, which I'm a huge Jeff Lynn fan. So, I mean, it was, the stuff was all over the map. Otmort Liebert to Django Reinhardt to, you name it, but Jimmy Buffett. I mean, it was, it was a, Dave's got the biggest musical appetite of anybody I've ever met in my life. Because basically all he does when he's not, you know, touring or whatever, yeah. um, even, even then, to a degree, is smoke pot all day and listen to CDs. Yeah. I mean, back, back in touring days, he had a big pillowcase just full of CDs, you know, just before the iPod and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Drag that around. And he's a huge disco fan. Yeah. Um, mm. we, we, he played Saturday Night Fever almost every night before we went on, which after a while drove me crazy. <laughs> but um, but it got him in the mood because, and you think about it, I mean, that was his, his influence on Van Halen because without him adding that 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 pressure of you know making them do things that you know they normally might might not do like you know Mean Street, you know, sixteenth note disco rhythm in that, yeah. or you know Ambas and the and and whatnot and. Uh, Death's Not Away and Jamie's Crying or, mm. you know, some stuff that's, you know, I mean, that's what those, yeah, yeah. you know, Brazilian influence. Yeah. And, and it's, so he had that, that in him. And, I don't, you know, and without him doing that, you know, and I think, you know, Ed and, and Al would be criminal jazz fusion band still to this day playing, you know, little clubs around L.A. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes bands like that, you know, there's a lot of discourse in them, but if it wasn't for that, you know, people pushing and pulling and pushing and pulling to, to it would, they would never make the product they make. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think Aerosmith is another band like that. Yeah. You know, but, you know, the pulling tug between Joe and Steve and, you know, but they all break up. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, <laughs> the problem with it. Yeah. After a while, I'm, I'm bigger than you are. I'm bigger than you are. Oh yeah. I'll show you. I'm leaving. Okay. Fuck you. And it's like, you know, and then you have to wait 20 years for the reunion. At least, at least Aerosmith got it back together a little bit sooner, you know, but, um, Anyone that has a memory, did you see? Have you ever seen? Did you see the old Van Halen with Dave? Oh, not live, but Ellie. Like, yeah, live back in the, you know, the no, they never like, come here with Dave back in the early days. Oh, 
The first tour was uh, Gary Sharon. You know, you can't just, I mean, the only band that's ever done it that I, I've seen it work is ACDC. Mm. You know, plugging, you know, it's not the, the thing that kind of, I mean, and Brian made it more successful. Yeah. You know, well, probably some of it is fan reaction or, or them being, you know, stubborn and obstinate about going if somebody's alive, mm. you know. You know, I mean, and that may have something to do with it. You know, and Ozzy's been through a million guitar players. I mean, Zach had some big shoes to step, step in, and so did Jake, who I, who I admire, both yeah. those guys immensely. And I kind of did, too, because I was, you know, playing Ed's stuff and Steve I's stuff. But so there's some people who never, will never accept you, no matter what you do in that, yeah. in that situation, because you're not the original guy. So I guess my point is, is that next time, guys, whoever out there is going to be the next big band, mm. and you get successful, and you fall all the way up about the music, don't leave and then say it's creative differences. There's, there's two things. You know what breaks up bands? Bands. <laughs> and, and the second part is the managers. The managers get in there. When Van Halen had no managers and nothing but dreams, and they were locked up in a sweaty basement over at Dave's house, you know, writing you know, all those songs, because they had all those tunes almost finished. Yeah. Before, I mean, in some stages of you know, being finished, you know, Ted came in and you know, chopped them up and... Yeah. All that kind of stuff. A lot of them, like, you know, the, the whole first record was written, except for, um, I think, Jamie's Crying, they wrote in the studio. Mm. And it's a lot of stuff. I mean, and, uh, A Different Kind of Truth is all old songs that didn't make the, um, the cut. Yeah. On the, yeah, that's right. I don't, know, I don't know if you knew that or not. But, um, yeah, but anyway, yeah. so what yeah. I was going back to is you never saw Van Halen. I saw them on every tour except 1985. Okay. Uh, 1984. In 85. Yeah. And uh, I saw... Um, Diver Down twice, Fair Warning twice. Mm. For anybody that saw that, you know, that's why they wanted Dave and Ed back together again because it was, it was just, the magic, it was just phenomenal. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they took liberties in the tunes. You know, they all did. I, that's what I liked about it. I mean, most, most bands I, I go see, and when I, when I was playing this stuff, or, you know, where I had played it note for note, or people go, he can't, he can't play that stuff. I mean, that's what Dave wanted too, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in, in, that, in that kind of thing, you know, you don't put, put, you know, paint a mustache on the Mona Lisa. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in other things, you have, you know, the original band doing it, and they're improvising on the songs that you've heard. They're like, and, and you're going, man, that's how you cut it in the studio. You just played. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great because you, you got a whole other section of interpretations of Van Halen songs live every time you went to see them. Yeah. And, and was, I mean, mostly that was Ed and, and Dave not singing the words. But, <laughs> but you've seen all the old videos, I'm sure. Oh, know, yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, all those, yeah. And, and, then, so, so, and then for everybody that didn't see them back in the day, it was a big draw. You know, and that tour was very successful, you know. Um, you know, although the second one, not as much, but, um, you know, I, I mean, I just, man, I go back and watch that stuff in 78, 79 sometimes. I mean, it's on fire. Fair warning. There's only three songs that I can find that are on video. You know which ones I'm talking about? There's the Oakland Coliseum. The Oakland Coliseum one has, so this is Love Unchained and Fear About Hear About It Later on it. Mm-hmm. And, and that, but that tour, there's a, there's a show that I was at in Greensboro, North Carolina, where, where I'm from originally. Yeah. And look it up. It's Fair Warning Greensboro Coliseum. Okay. Ed was at his, I mean, he was might, might have been at a different peak be, right before he got signed, but creatively, because Fair Warning was a very different record. Yeah, I mean, he, he the stuff he was doing on there was 
was kind of you know a far cry than you know from from Van Halen one, and I didn't like it at first when it came out. And now it's my favorite album. Yeah. Well, behind Van Halen one, I, I can't really say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but my second favorite album. But you know that, that show in Greensboro, and I saw him twice on the tour. But that particular one, you know, he he had put a um. Uh, a stand on the back of his guitar and had it where it went up like this and he's playing it like a piano and do all his hammer rolls and stuff. Like, have you ever seen him do that? No, I haven't. No, he's yeah. unbelievable. You as a Van Halen fan have to check that out. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I was only like 17, 18. I mean, I met him on that tour too. I, you know, chased him down. <laughs> and you know, he gave me an autograph and I talked to him for a while. It's the first time I met him. Mm. You know, he ended up just, just blowing my mind. I mean, I was just like, I don't know. If there's anybody's ever going to attain that kind of thing again, and I know I don't know how I could. Mm. You know, I mean, it was so far. I mean, back in 1981, we saw something like it was so far advanced over everybody's head. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and it still is. I mean, yeah. You know, you know Eddie's playing is you know it's different. It's difficult to decipher, man, because you know his phrasing's you know really wild. <laughs> But it's funny thing about Dave. I tell, you this, I tell this story a lot. You know, I was on a bus with that guy for for, for a couple a couple of years. Yeah. Sometimes there's there's no connection. There are no, and if you make them, they're very tenuous ones at best. But tenuous ones. Yeah. But a lot of times he huge. Oh, and I do this a lot. Like you'll hear me talk right now, and you go, "What the hell? Where's he going with this?" And I'll circle it back around and close it off with something. Yeah. And you know, and Dave would do that. And there was kind of Zen lessons in some of it if you really paid attention. Mm. You know, but sometimes it's just like, you know, they're sporadic kind of one-liners and things of that nature, which I also do. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I started to understand him when I drank Jack Daniels with him. You know, <laughs> we, had, we, you know we had a half gallon one night. I have a picture of it somewhere. I can send it to you. Like, yeah, Dave, I understand what you're saying now, man. It's like, you know, so this is what I got to do, you know. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, was, um, it was a great experience, but... Um, what were we talking about again? No, I'm okay. uh, Some of the, you know, the stories and stuff, this is one I always tell you. Right before we went on tour, he came into the rehearsal. Somebody had a watch, wore a watch. You know, I don't know who it was. It wasn't me because I don't like stuff on my hands. I don't wear any jewelry or anything like that. But yeah. he ended up um, talking to us. You know, he would always give us like an hour talk before we hit a note, mm. which, which sometimes was good and sometimes not so good. <laughs> and, and a lot of it had to do with how to act, what to wear, how to, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, and then, and he just talked, and no one else did. And um, so he's like, guys, don't wear watches. Rock stars don't care what time it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I don't wear one anyway. What, Dave? I mean, like, so six months later, I'm sitting on a tour bus. Dave comes on with this brand new gleaming Rolex. <laughs> it blinded me. And so I'm like, I mean, I knew well enough at this point, and I was like, hey, Roth, what's up with a watch? No, rock stars didn't wear watches. He goes, that's right, Walsh. I'm an effing icon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, I just got served. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is true. I go, well, yeah, you are. Because, I mean, there's guys, you know, the guys, you know, like him and Axel and Freddie Mercury. I mean, you know, there are, most rock stars are here. And, yeah. and there's the, the other guys that are, you know, yeah, in the yeah. Now, you had a story about the the stripes, too, didn't you? About your shoes? Oh, yeah, I told you the other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, 
at the moment in time when I was touring Dave, there was no love lost between him and Ed. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I was actually I was playing fifty one fifty heads, and he he taped he had the text tape the fifty one fifty over or take the logos off of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was uh, you know we were playing Sweden Rock Fest, and it was my second gig, and it was, it was high pressure because you know it was like thirty five thousand people you know in the audience. His his well his bodyguard at the time and his bodyguard for the last twenty years a guy named Ed Anderson called me up to his, his room and said, hey Bart, come on up here and uh, we need to talk to you. And bring your uh, stage shoes. I'm like, <laughs> bring my stage shoes? What the hell? I'm like, okay. And so he goes, and bring a Sharpie too if you got one. A Sharpie? I happened to have one because I was signing autographs the night before, so I, I, I took it up. And he goes, let me see your shoes. We're going to have to color. I, well, I've got to tell you what shoe, kind of shoes they were. They were ASIC uh, re- wrestling shoes. Yep. which I used to wear all the time because they were light and the soles were split and stuff like that. And you know, so you could really, you know, get your footing on stage. And so, but they had these, you know, the ASIC stripe. I don't know if you know those yeah, shoes or not. But they had the stripes on. Yeah, and so, and so, because let me see that shoe. Now, we're about to color these stripes in because, you know, Dave's got a thing about stripes. You don't want these <laughs> in. I'm like, he said something about that. Let's just color them in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no no strike policy in the in the old uh, Roth camp, you know. I was like, "Wow, yeah, it's, you know, it's all true." You know, and it, it's like I mean, because you know, even though he wanted back in Van Halen, he didn't want to promote, you know, the brand or anything like that. I, yeah. I can kind of, see, I, I can see that. I mean, I didn't get Asics wrestling shoes because they had stripes on them, and I was a Van Halen tribute band. I just, <laughs> God, he never occurred to me, you know. I didn't think of it, yeah. you know. So anyway. <laughs>